in the world can our music team work these things together that they do, put them together, and uh, I'm blessed by them. If you notice, they never miss a note. They always know exactly what they're singing and uh, what they're to be playing. I want you to know, and I, I want to give a word of thanks to them. They uh, meet here on Sunday morning early to prepare that. And uh, it goes so meticulous, so well, because of the special work they do. And uh, Jason and others, we want you to know we appreciate what you do to make our service what it is. I just uh, love the songs we're singing. I love them because we're singing them to God. We're singing to God. We're telling Him He's altogether worthy, altogether wonderful. Man, I like that. I like singing unto the Lord and giving Him what is due unto Him. In 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, verse 8, we start today. I'm glad you have your Bible. If you got it, would you raise it proudly? Let me know you got your Bible. All right. We are a people of the book. The book is the Bible. It's the authority for our life. This is the book we follow. This is the book that has no errors in it. I read no other book in the whole world that does not have errors in it. God's Word is true. We can believe it. We can test it. And it will test us. So today, as we're in the second... First Timothy, rather, the second chapter, verse 8. What we're talking about, you know, last week we talked about maturity. How God, when we become a Christian, He wants to us to grow. He wants us to mature. He wants us to understand there's more to life than just accepting Jesus. That's the first part. But we're going on. There are two initial experiences in helping us to reach maturity. We look here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 8. Paul said, I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. He said, I desire, therefore, that men pray Everywhere, everywhere. The first part of growing and maturing as a Christian is reading the Bible. The second part is prayer, talking to God, God talking to us. He wants us to experience that. Now, if you keep both of those going, you're going to have spiritual maturity. I'm glad you're down on the front row. I'm uh, spitting out a... Oh, that got all your attention, didn't it? I'm spitting out a, a mint, okay? 
I know Steve was ducking over here, but uh, he's on the fourth row. We don't get him quite that far, okay? Can we laugh and have a good time? I mean, come on. I know I'm not uh, Bill Brett by any stretch of imagination, although I was, I'm trying to <clears throat> get as big as he is, but he uh, was quite a fella. I want you, I want all of us to realize that our life as a believer in Christ, as a Christian, is dependent upon prayer. Now, it isn't a matter of believing in Jesus and doing the best that we can. I think a lot of us have that notion that if I believe in Jesus and I do the best I can, then I'm in good shape. It isn't joining the church and getting a do-it-for-yourself kit and living it out yourself. We need each other. We need fellowship. We need God. We can talk to Him and we can listen to Him as we learn to pray and read our Bible. The importance of prayer is always shown to us by Jesus Himself. As someone has said, God has only one son who lived without sin. But he has no son that can live without communication with the Father. Prayer isn't only a duty, it's a responsibility. We don't have a choice. If we're going to function, if we're going to grow, if we're going to mature as a Christian, we have got to spend time talking to God. And He desires that for us. There are many things that can happen when we pray. God can revive a church. We saw that happen in days past, and we want to build on what God gave us as He challenged us to grow, to mature, to be the kind of people that God can depend on. Prayer can empower a preacher. If you think the preacher's laying an egg, pray for him. He needs your prayers. Also, I'm reminded of this fact. A soul will only be saved because someone has prayed for that soul. As we look around on Sunday, we need to be spiritually mature to know who to pray for, who needs to come to know saving grace through Jesus Christ. And then... The Bible says that prayer does one other important thing for us. It strengthens our life. We don't feel like we are facing things that we can't handle with God in telling Him the things we're handling, the things we're dealing with, the, all the different situations that you and I have. He's there. We can talk to Him, and He wants to hear from us. You know the alternative to prayer is to faint. It's just to give up. It's just got to say, I'm in this by myself. No, we're not. The only reason we feel that way is because we are not talking to God. We're not communicating with God. We're not letting God know what we're doing. We feel like we can make it ourselves. We don't need anyone else. We can get it done. Prayer is a power. But it's no substitute for work. 
So you and I are aware that prayer isn't a substitute, it's a supplement. Prayer is what strengthens our life. Prayer is us communicating with the Almighty God. Not that He is overwhelming us, although as we think sometimes, we sometimes feel overwhelmed by a God who knows everything about us and still loves us. Are you ever amazed at that fact? Hello? We are, aren't we? I'm just amazed. I don't like myself sometimes. And yet, God does like me. And prayer is the way that I can communicate unto Him. When my children were sick, I didn't just pray. I didn't just go to the doctor. I did both because I wanted God and His healing power involved in their life. And I wanted to know also what, that an antibiotic could be used by God to clear things out in my body. God uses both. God has given us a mind to take medicine, but He's also given us a mind to know that we can pray to God about our illnesses. One of the tragedies of the modern disciple is they try to live without prayer. How about you? How much did you pray this week? You say, well, I had problems. I didn't have time. Folks, we don't have time not to pray. We've got to pray. We've got to talk to the Lord. God cares about those we work with. God cares about those we live with. God is interested in all of those things and He has His answer through prayer to how we can learn to live with one another and to share life and to enjoy life. Many, many things that are done here on Sunday can be done without the power of God. Did you hear that? We can do things in our own strength. A Sunday school teacher can have a quarterly that teaches her about the Scripture of God or him about the Scripture of God. He may have quarters, in the other hand, things that he's going to give to God. And then, as we leave class, we wonder sometimes, why isn't anybody listening to me? Why isn't anybody joining in with me? My friend, my Sunday school teacher, I share with you and I tell you, prayer is your greatest ally as you go to teach that class. If it gets boring, if it gets dull, it's time to look at ourselves. Am I praying daily for every member of that class? Do I feel for them the burden that you have given me for them? Many singers today are very artistically blessed. I mean, we hear them all the time. <clears throat> well, there's something I started to say, but I don't... You did know the Grammys were on last Sunday night, didn't you? You know the big talk the next day about the Grammys? 
Was the fact that all the ladies had their clothes on and weren't showing their private parts? That's the world. That's the way they think. You know? And they do it right. And for once, God bless CBS. I don't bless them very often. But I blessed them when I heard they sent a memo to all of those people to dress properly. Why do we need a memo like that? Why don't we dress properly all the time? But you know, I wonder as I... Now, surely you know I didn't listen to the Grammys. Okay? I, I listened to reports about them. Excuse me. There are people who are gifted by God. I would like them just to acknowledge that. Anybody with me? I would just once like them to thank God that he has given them the ability to sing and do what they do. You know, sometimes their acceptance speech, I almost feel like they're thanking themselves for how wonderful they are. My friends, you can have the greatest voice in the world, but if you don't acknowledge God has given that voice to you, and if you don't acknowledge that He's there and He's taking what you've given, He's given you, you're not going to get what you deserve from your voice. Well, we could go on. You could say, well, uh, preachers, let's talk about you. Well, okay, let's talk about us. If a preacher depends on the Internet to preach a sermon, he's not going to get a whole lot of response. Amen? He needs to get it from God's Word. Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So here are these wonderful, wonderful gifts God gives us. Let's acknowledge that He is the giver of life. Let's acknowledge that we do what we do because of the grace of God. We cannot ever have the power of God in our life unless we pray. Unless we acknowledge and we say, God, I'm depending on you to teach this Sunday school class. Preacher, God is depending on you to acknowledge Him. or You have nothing. Excuse me. I did it the wrong way. Those of you who were, I know, see, I, I, I find out, and I, and I just think through things. I didn't get to go and pass out the food yesterday at the food bank. And I've already heard that my name was disgraced. Dave, I'm Dave was the one who told me. You know, the first food bank distribution I've ever missed since I've been here as pastor. And uh, please be understanding. I'm dealing with some things right now. And I didn't feel like I needed to be out in the cold air. If you want more of an explanation, my wife who wasn't there would give it. I'm teasing.
she wasn't even there. She, she didn't know that I missed. I want us today to go from 1 Timothy over to Daniel, the 6th chapter. Daniel, the 6th chapter. See, I've got it hid here in my Bible. Daniel had established. He had come to grips with how much he needed God. He was in trouble. He was taken out of Israel, taken as a hostage, taken to be a leader in the land of Babylonian, the Babylonians. And he was a a very, very gifted young man. I mean, he he was on the A+. I mean, he, he absolutely was what everybody would want to have. Any school teacher would want to have Daniel in their class. He was brilliant. He he was just beyond understanding. So they picked him out and they said, Daniel, we're going to put you in the king's court and we're going to use this great ability you've got and we're going to make a Babylonian out of you. And they told him exactly what they were going to do. They were going to have him eat right. And he knew that it was not right. It was not the food he ought to be eating. And he realized there were some things wrong. So over here in Daniel, the 6th chapter, verse 10. Here's what Daniel had to say. One of you got it? Who's got it? My, my, would you read it for me, please? My, my pages are so thin, I can't even turn them. Anybody else got a Bible like that? Stand up and read it for us, please. Yeah. Thank you. What's going on here? Well, what's going on is this. The people of Babylon, the other leaders, knew that Daniel was a gifted young man. And they knew and they watched him very closely. And they knew that three times a day he would go and pray to God Almighty. Well, they decided to use the king. And the king made a decree that anyone that didn't pray to him would die. Kings in those days could do those things. And so they made a, the king write up a decree that anyone that prayed had to pray to Nebuchadnezzar, that he was God. Well, Daniel wasn't going to do that. These men knew that Daniel would not submit to that, that he had a habit of three times a day praying unto God, the God Almighty. So I'd stop and ask myself as I ask you, Do people know that you pray? I tell you what, when they find out that you are a prayer, they will seek you out. They really do believe there is a God and they want His help and they don't know how to pray. 
as the habit of Daniel was, he always prayed every day in this particular way. Now, a crucial problem that we as believers have, and every one of us in this world has, we all believe, we all have problems. We all have issues. We all have things that we need answers to. Where do you get your answers? Where do you get your answers? Daniel is proving to us here that we get answers from God. And it went even further. They set up a decree that made him guilty. They knew he was guilty. He knew that if he did pray, he would be in trouble, that he could possibly lose his life. My friends, I want to say to you, you need to have, I need to have good spiritual habits. And one of those habits must be prayer. We are all creatures of habit, aren't we? We need to establish some good ones. We've all got habits that are not good, but we need some good ones. And prayer is one of those that's a very good thing to do. Prayer establishes us in a relationship with God. Now, we need to be aware. And I would ask, as the Lord would ask us this morning, what are the spiritual habits of your life? I would pray and ask God that each one of us spend time in prayer with God. Alfred Lord Tennyson made this statement. It's an interesting statement. More things are done through prayer. More things are done through prayer than this world dreams of. Have you seen God shockingly change somebody at work that irritated the world out of you? You just didn't know if I could stay there or work or not. Pray. Ask God. God is in the business of changing people. He either changes us or He changes them or sometimes He changes both. We need to bring those things in life that irritate us unto the Lord. Secondly, you need to find a place to pray. Do you have a place where you have set apart, I'm going to go meet God here today? Daniel had a place. The scripture tells us that it was at his apartment that he would kneel by a window that faced the city of Jerusalem, the place where he had been taught privileges with God. It was there where the temple was. It was there where it was his habit to go and pray every day. You say, well, Brother Jim, I can't come up to the church every day. Some of us could, and it would do us good. And I promise you, we'll open the doors and turn on the heat and let you meet to pray here if you decide to. But you don't have to have a church to pray. You can pray anywhere at any time for anybody and for yourself. 
Do you remember? Jonah prayed in the belly of a whale. Why, that's an interesting place to have a word of prayer. You also remember that Peter, the book of Acts tells us, prayed from a rooftop. The scripture also tells us that Hezekiah prayed on a bed of affliction. As I look out here, I realize a lot of you have had illnesses this winter. What do you do with that illness? You take it to the Lord. You pray. You ask his help. That's what Hezekiah did. Hagar prayed while he was in prayed while she was in the wilderness. You remember Hagar? She was the one that was chosen by one of the patriarchs of the Old Testament, and she was tricked into being his husband, his wife. Do you remember she was kicked out of the house? And the wife said, get out of here. I don't want you ever to come here again. She went out into the wilderness. She was scared to death. She did not know what to do, to do but she stopped and she prayed. When's the last time you've run into a situation like that? We all do. There's times we need to stop and pray and take it to the Lord. Sometimes in our hectic lives, it's difficult to find a place. I'm going to share with you what I, I know from reading the Bible. I'm going to share with you what I know personally. And I'm saying to you, the Bible says, and experience tells me, that the greatest place and time we can pray is when we get up and begin our day. I read an illustration this week of a man that just, uh, from Atlanta, Georgia, he's a very successful businessman, and he decided to use the time he walked up to his office. He could have taken the elevator, but for two reasons, for health reasons, that it was good to walk up stairs, and secondly, to pray to God, he made that his commitment. As he went up, he prayed about the day, and he asked the Lord, he said, God, you know what's coming my way. You know what I'm going to be dealing with. I submit myself to you. I give myself to you to help me in every situation. He was a very prominent businessman in Atlanta, Georgia. Then, as his day finished, as he walked down, those steps again, going home from work. He asked the Lord to bless the things he had done that day. He stopped and asked the Lord to prepare his wife and children for the time when they would come back together. And amen, a lot of us need to do that. We don't ever think about that, do we? I need to pray. They've been gone. They've been away. They've been working. They've been at school. We need to pray before we come back together. My, what an intelligent man this guy was. Can you imagine being smart enough to pray while he walked up the stairs and to pray while he walked down the stairs? Mm. The psalmist had set a time to pray. The Bible tells us that in 119th Psalm, verse 64, it says, listen to this, seven times a day do I praise thee. Well, you say, I don't know if I've got seven times. Well, think of it this way. 
When you get up in the morning, you can pray. When you come to the end of the day, you can pray. I mean, all of us have time to do that. Before you get your day going, I've heard a great man called Charles Stanley who talks about praying before he even gets up. Praying before he gets out of bed. Well, you say, he's awful radical. Well, we need to be radical about this matter of prayer. So if we pray when we get up, if we pray at the end of the day, if we pray at the three meals a day, two plus three is five, used to be. Is it still that way now, math teacher? Okay, thank you. Well, well, Jim, that's only five. Well, if you pray at mid-morning and you pray at mid-afternoon, you have seven times when you can match what God asked us to do by the psalmist. Now, if he said, well, if I have to pray seven minutes a day, I mean, that's going to take a long time. Not when you divide it up like that. We need some practical understanding of this matter of prayer. When we want to make it happen, we can make it happen. So we set a particular place. It can be anywhere, anytime. We can set up a, a time in which we can do it. The main thing is, do we do it? Are we so busy as we go to work, as we shave, as we take a shower, that we don't have time to stop and pray and spend time with God? We've got to do it. And we not only need to do it, if we're going to be a maturing Christian and handling all the problems and all the dilemmas and all the things we deal with in one day, we can surely give God seven minutes a day to pray and take time unto Him. The last thing I want to mention is this. We need to do more than just ask in our prayer times. Do you find yourself guilty of that? Does God ever remind you, hey, hey, I heard your request about that three weeks ago. Sometimes we think because God doesn't answer our prayers immediately that he's not paying attention to us. No, he's doing it in his time. Hear me. He's doing it in his time, not your time, not my time. God, I need this. I remember the verse, the words of a song that says, I need thee, oh, I need thee every hour. I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. Just sing a song to him. Let him know, I'm coming to you, Lord. I trust you. I believe in you. And I thank you. Let me also hasten to say this. You don't need to be ashamed to ask God for things. Did our preacher say that? Yes. As I read this Bible, it tells me I have the right. He's my heavenly Father. I have the right to ask Him for things. Well, what kind of things are we talking about, Brother Jim? Well, 
let's, let's think about that for just a moment. I read a statement this week that just overwhelmed me. I guess I needed it. But someone said, hurry is the death of prayers. Who of us doesn't hurry with our prayers? I've got to get it over with, God, so I can get on to the main part of my day. When we miss prayer and we don't communicate with God, we're going to have some kind of a day. Do you know another good thing to pray about is to praise God for who He is? Jason, that's why I like those hymns this morning. They were praising God, the God who made this world, the God who sustains this world, the God who gives us the strength to live every day in this world. I have the right, I have the privilege, I'm a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Mm. I don't think we think about that much. Then we ought to pray for other people. In 1 Timothy, the second chapter that we started in this morning, in the first and second verse it says, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings. Brother, if we ought to be, a lot of us are sure griping about our government. We need to pray for our leaders. Do you think God can change President Obama? I believe he can. I looked at the results of voting here in Hatchville, Texas before I said that. Okay? I do know we have some others who believe the other way and believe that he has all the right answers. But my friend, if he does or doesn't, he needs our prayers. When we pray for other people, we need to be specific. We need to say, Lord, I would pray they would read their Bible every day that the Bible would be their authority. I, I pray before they make big decisions that they would pray and ask for your will, for your knowledge, for your understanding. Mm. We need to pray not only for other people, we need to pray for ourselves. Let me ask you this. Are your prayers ever quiet? The Bible says, and you and I remember this verse, the psalmist told us, he said it's a good thing to be silent before the Lord. My friends, think about who we're talking about. The king of kings, the creator of this universe, the one who keeps it going. He has time for you every day. You make time for him, he makes time for you. He makes us feel like, I feel like most of the time when I'm praying to him, that I'm the only person in the universe. He's that personable. He makes us feel that way. So I say to you in closing this.
of the two most important things that God needs to have from us. One of them is, He wants us to talk to Him. You think today, what is it? <clears throat> Y'all on the front row, what's the one thing your parents want from you? They want to communicate with you. You're busy. you got a lot going. They still need to have time with you. If that's true of parents, it's true of the Heavenly Father. He needs time with you. He treasures your time. And He has the power to change our lives. If we pray to God as we gripe and grumble about all the other things going on in our life, wouldn't there be a whole lot more done? Our God can change things. He can change people. He, most of all, changes.